And a good Saturday morning to you in this holiday weekend. Time for our usual wine chat for Jack Farrell. Here's Ted Farrell this morning. Good to talk with you again, Ted. The pleasure is all mine, Denny. How are you doing on I'm, this fine day? I'm doing quite well. I'm uh, trying to stay cool just like everybody else and wondering, uh, my friend Dennis here and I were talking about, gee, what would be good? Uh, I wonder if I should grill tonight or maybe some cold potato salad, you know, <laughs> something to go well, along with this 96-degree weather. I, You know, Mother Nature seems to be playing a trick on us because about two weeks ago we had winter and then the switch just <laughs> got flipped true. this summer. They didn't swing it over into that spring phase at all. It just went from, you know, two feet of snow uh, snow piles to uh, like Fourth uh, of July temperatures. Theater, yeah, the theater of seasons, uh, the, the, the acts are quick <laughs> from one to two and three. Uh, what what was she, should we talk about today, Ted? Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as kind of planning for summer wines. Uh, you know, we have a uh, Memorial Day holiday right now, but then all throughout summer and, you know, kind of, you know, we've kind of talked about it in the past where kind of switching your wines is a little bit like switching your wardrobe where, you know, some of those real big, heavy uh, Cabernets or Bordeaux are so big and heavy that, you know, they're not too pleasurable to drink on a nice 97 degree day with humidity to match. So it's easy to kind of, you know, tailor what you're drinking toward uh, kind of the temperatures. And, you know, right now, and we've talked about it uh, uh, left and right all the time, is uh, rosés. And rosés are such a perfect wine for summer because you can put a nice, heavy chill on that particular wine. And and they're generally lower in alcohol, so you can just kind of sit and quaff away so when it is beastly hot, you know, you're just enjoying the wine. It's kind of even hydrating you a little bit, but it's not impressive. It's not like some of those big cabs that just stain your teeth, turn your tongue purple, real heavy, full-bodied kind of thing. They're light and refreshing. One of my favorites is St. Sidion, and that is a proper provincial rosé from the uh, Provence region down in the south of France where they uh, invented and arguably perfected uh, the rosé-making styles. It's very light very refreshing notes of early ripened strawberries. So it's a very light, refreshing uh, wine. I did my research, and I have no clue what St. Sidion ever did to become a saint. So I'll just say that that saint is the saint of rosés right now. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll use that. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. But also, uh, we were just out in Oregon, uh, Bo and I, for a trade group meeting, and we stumbled upon a lot of great wines. One in particular is called Second Growth Pinot Gris. And a Pinot Gris, believe it or not, the same grape varietal as Pinot Grigio, but it's just kind of done in an American style where it's a little bit more acidic, it's a little bit crisper, but it's a light, refreshing wine where sometimes Chardonnay can be a little bit oaky, real heavy, that big butter. Sometimes, you know, on a hot day, that might be too much. And the Pinot Gris, if you're doing shrimp or any kind of shellfish on the uh, uh, on the grill, or even just, you know, if you're if doing it in the oven or whatever, it is so, it's a match made in heaven. And, you know, the only caveat with that Pinot Gris is why I'm tailor tapering down last year's vintage, and I saw them load the brand new Pinot Gris on the truck while we were out there. So the Pinot Gris will be showing up in our store sometime, uh, next, like I'd say Friday of next week, the new vintage. But it is just a fantastic wine. And we have some maybe about five, six cases still flopping around the stores from last year. But it is a beautiful wine. They'll be showing up in the stores. But, I mean, it's just perfect for that summertime where, you know, in your cooler, you probably have a few ice cold beers, maybe a few soda pops. But, you know, having that Pinot Gris kind of uh, buried right in the ice next to it. I mean, it's just light, crisp, and refreshing. And I guess the, 
the thing to kind of focus on is that kind of light body. You know, even if you want to do a red, a Beaujolais is a fantastic wine for summer because it's made of that Gamay grape. And it is a little bit lighter, and it's a fruitier wine, but believe it or not, it could take a slight bit of chill. And, you know, that's what's kind of fun about it. So it's not that real big, heavy kind of Grenache, big, heavy Cabernet. It's a lighter style wine. Even the coloration is a tad bit lighter. But when you put a little chill on that, that goes perfect with, like, fried chicken at a, at a picnic. You know, it just it's just a match made in heaven. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams... Uh, and I know you've been in the business for a while, ever see so many rosés or think that was going to happen? Oh, it's like a mushroom after a rainstorm. Just they keep on popping up, and everybody's kind of getting on board. So, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, do a little bit of research and find out, you know, there's a, we tasted a few rosés when we were out in Oregon because they were jumping on the bandwagon, and that was their first go at it, that were a little subpar. But a lot of rosés, especially the, the French rosés, are the ones that, you know, they've been doing it the longest. They've been playing with it. They know their formula. They know their recipe. They know how long to put it on the leaves, et cetera, you know, how long they're just going to have that contact with the skin. Because as we've talked before, a proper rosé wine is made from those red grape varietals, uh, whether it is a, a Gamay, whether it's Cabernet Franc, whatever. But what they own, what they do is once they crush that juice, they allow the, the, the skins to hang on and uh permeate those that juice for only maybe some in some cases five hours maybe in some cases 10 just depending on what the winemaker does and in some cases even less then that's where you'll see so many variants on the colorations of wine where it's some of them like uh that uh saint sidio another one's a domain fozzi that has that light almost onion skin coloration to it where it's really pale but those are lighter style wines so one is warmer like it will be today they're very approachable, but then you could always shift gears and go to Tavel, and we've talked about Tavel in the past. It's the only district in all of France that's solely dedicated to the making rosé, and that one you'll see is almost a, a darker, richer color. You'd almost be fooled thinking it's a red wine because uh, it's so dark in coloration, but same thing. you can It's exposed to those Grenache grapes. Uh, it's a little bit heavier in style, but it's one of those things where rosés, you get the, the flavor of red wine, but they drink like white wines. And perfect matches made with this uh, 97 heat wave that we have coming. You're just joining us. Uh, Ted Farrell's chatting with us on this wine chat this this morning. Uh, 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 Ted, uh, a texture sent in a question about Asian food. Uh, he or she has uh, heard us talk about Riesling before, but can you ever drink a rosé with Asian food? Oh, sure. You know, sometimes depending on your heat level, though, of the Asian food, some of the Thai foods can get pretty hot. And uh, sometimes a rosé might not have the proper acidity to fight that uh, the spice level. But, you know, if it's a milder uh, Asian food or, you know, if you depending on your restaurant, if you go spice level two instead of spice level five, uh, you know, that will be very well. But sometimes just depending on how much proper spice or the, that, that heat level to it, uh, it can maybe beat up the rosé a little bit, but it just depends on which rosé and how spicy you like things. Obviously, people are thinking about uh, grilling as we're, as we're talking here. Uh, please address uh, steak, burgers, red meat on the grill and uh, during this hot weather. What, 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 what to pair with those, does the text well, wants to know? Well, first, my condolences to the grill master who has to stand <laughs> yes. on top of that heat. 
and do all that. So if you're out there grilling and you're watching somebody, make sure that that person is properly hydrated with a glass of wine or a beer at all times. So every, you know, it's a team effort. So everybody help that person out at the grill. But with, you know, with grilling, you know, some of that, you know, when you do big steaks, uh, you know, a lot of red meat on the grill, you know, you do, I will always, I, even though I was saying it's a little bit too heavy for it, you know, but there's nothing better than a big grill, a big grilled steak off the thing with like a big Napa Cabernet. And one of my favorites is a new one we picked up in the last year. It's called 29 in Oak. Uh, it's a great Cabernet, very full, very rich, everything you expect from the Napa Valley. Uh, you know, Napa Valley can and does get hotter than this, in which the Cabernet grapes just thrive in. And those, uh, the 29 and Oak is a fun wine, very rich, you know, all kinds of flavor levels. So if you are flipping steaks and you do want that big, juicy bomb uh, steak or wine to go with your steak, the 29 Oak is fabulous. There's also another one that we just picked up called Method, and they do a proprietary red and also a Napa Cabin. I mean, both of those uh, two wines are just fantastic. You know, you pull that New York strip off, have a little swig of that, you know everything's good in God's green earth. I was uh, looking <laughs> somebody. This is happening every week ever since our trip uh, to Sonoma. Getting interested in another Sonoma trip, Ted. I have four people, four people ready to sign up. Please. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about we have some whip crackers, so we better uh, we better quit screwing around, Eddie, and start formulating. <laughs> My goodness, we had a great time, and and uh, yeah, a lot of folks did want to sign up again, and some folks who missed. This last trip, who were with us in the first or second one, uh, would like to join us. But we'll we'll certainly give uh, give everybody a, a chance to uh, hear about that if and when we uh, get that together. You know what I, I would like to talk about? I know we're we've got to, to break here for the news uh, shortly, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Haskell's. And maybe people who are new to the show don't realize how long you guys have been serving this area that we lovingly call CCO and a hometown company. We are a hometown company since the repeal of Prohibition. Uh, Benny and Fritzy Haskell have been serving uh, Minnesota's needs. Uh, he was a he actually was doing it a little bit beforehand, and so there was an issue, and that's why he, uh, his wife worked for us because he was a convicted bootlegger. So they had to put the license in Fritzy's name back in 1934, and we were just one small little store down on Seventh Street, just churning and burning and. Fritzy needed something to do, so uh, Benny sent her off to France to find some wine to fill the store up while he was peddling all the different brown liquors that he was used to bootleg. Now he's legitimately bringing them into the state. And so ever since then, it's been a match made in heaven. And our family purchased it from the Haskells in 1970. And then ever since then, we've expanded it to where we are, just serving the community's needs. Yeah, and what what special things are going on at Haskells right now? Well, you know, we have all kinds of things going on right now. One thing we are proud to say is right now, if you come into the stores and if you're a veteran uh, and you show your military ID, 20% off, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts, no stipulations, just 20% off. Uh, we appreciate all your sacrifices that you made for us. And it's just a little thing that we'd like to do uh, to give back. So there's all kinds of uh, treats and pleasures throughout Haskell. So if you're sitting down and you're having a nice, somber remembrance of veterans, or you're just getting together and cherishing uh, the people that are with you. Uh, Haskell's is a place to do that. And there's a Haskell's uh, near you to take care of those needs. There's a Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis with lots of free parking. We also have a Haskell's in Minnetonka, St. Paul, right in the Highland Village. 
We also have a Haskell's in Bloomington. And if you're out on the lake, Minnetonka, this is a perfect day to swing by Haskell's in Excelsior. Uh, either load up your beer cooler or have a burger at the bar. And then there's Haskell's in Woodbury, White Bear Lake, Chanhass in Plymouth. Also, Stillwater, if you're out on the St. Croix, just boating around. And then if you go heading down south to maybe visit some of the wineries, stop by a Haskell's in Faribault. And if that isn't enough locations, you always can swing by at Haskell's.com or swap by CCO and go to the backslash wine, and we'll be able to take care of any of your needs. And again, make it a very uh, rem- a somber and uh, fruitful uh, Memorial Day. I agree. Ted, great chatting with you again. Let's uh, talk. We'll, we'll do another wine chat next week. All right? Ten foot while the old man's off skiing, as we say, spending the kids' inheritance. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll talk with you then next week, possibly. Then, huh? We could. It's it's in the realm. Uh, All right. Who knows? We have to listen to the show to find out where. (laughs) Very good. Thanks, Ted. Have a good week and the good rest of the holiday, Ted Farrell.